and a mother and mother Nettie Opal Parker March 12, 1920. She died March 19, 2002. During his childhood, David had his younger sister Peggy Pearl Ray lived with his mother's disciplinary parents Russell and Dolly Parker on a small ranch due to their poor financial conditions he was sparkly visited by his violent alcoholic father who would supply him with magazines depicting sadomistic pornography at Mountaineer High School in Mountaineer New Mexico he was bullied by his peers for his shyness around girls, which resulted in abusing alcohol and other drugs. David's sexual fantasies of raping, torturing, and even murdering women developed during his teenagers. When David was 14, his sister Peggy saw his sadomasochist drawings and pornographic pictures of bondage practices. As a result, David and Peggy became estranged. Based on statements made by David, he believed to have begun assaulting women as an adolescence. In an, advice, an advisory message that was taped, recorded by David on July 23, 1993, he claimed, trigger warning. It's going to get a little graphic here. If you don't want to hear this, please skip a little. I've been raping bitches ever since I was old enough to jerk off and tie little girls' hands behind their back. I'm like, what the fuck? This is horrible. I already hate this man. Even He even alleged to his first wife that he had committed his first homicide sometime in 1957 when he kidnapped a woman, tied her to a tree, and tortured and murdered her. I, I didn't really see anything saying much about his first wife, and she didn't tell anyone about, you know, what he just said. However, authorities were unable to verify his account. After completing high school, David received an honorable discharge from the United States Army, where his service included work as a general mechanic. David then worked as a maintenance man for the New Mexico Parks Department in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, for the entirety of his adulthood until his arrest. The resort town, located approximately five miles from Elephant Bluff, New Mexico, contained several local bars which David frequented for victims. David met Cindy Hindi, who worked as a state park uh, at a state park in Truth and Consequences, New Mexico, and who was fleeing conviction on grand theft and drug charges in Washington State. Hey, look, that's where I'm from. This is going to get a little graphic. If you don't want to hear what David said to his captives, please skip. Trigger warning. David and Cindy became romantically involved and bonded over their shared violent sexual fantasies. In 1993 recorded message, David told his captives, quote, Hello there, bitch. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. 
wrists and ankle chains gagged, probably blindfolded. You are disoriented and scared. Uh, wait, disoriented and scared too. I would imagine perfectly normal under the circumstances. For a little while at least, you need to get your shit together and listen to the tape. It is very relevant to your situation. I'm going to tell you, tell you in detail why you have been kidnapped, what's going to happen to you, and how long you'll be here. I don't know the details of your capture because this tape is be being created July 23rd, 1993, as a general advisory tape for future female captives. The information I'm going to give you is based on my experience during the captives over a period of several years. If at a future, de future date there are major changes in our procedures, this tape will be upgraded. Now you are obviously here against your will, totally hopeless, don't know where you're at, don't know what's going to happen to you, you're scared. Or pissed or very pissed off. I'm sure that you've already tried to get your wrists and ankles loose, and you know you can't. Now you just waiting to see what's going to happen next. You probably think you're going to get raped, and you're fucking right about that. Our primary interest is in what you've got between your legs. You'll be raped thoroughly and repeatedly in every hole you've got. Because basically, you've been snatched and brought here for us to train and use as a sex slave. Sound kind of far out? Well, I suppose it is to the ultimate. Uh, but we do it all the time. It's going to take a lot of adjustment on your part, and you're not going to like it a fucking bit. But I don't give a rat's ass about that. It's not your... It's not like you're going to have any choice about that matter. You've been taken by force, and you're going to be kept and used by force. What all the amounts to is that you're going to be kept naked and chained up like an animal to be used and abused anytime we want to. Anyway, we want to. And you might as well start getting used to it because you're going to be kept here and used until such time as we get tired of fucking around with you. We will in a month or two, maybe three. It's not a big deal. My lady friend and I have been keeping sex slave for years. We both have kinky hangups involving rape, dungeon games, etc. We've found that it is extremely convenient to keep one or two female captives available consistently too. Huh. Satisfying our practical needs. We are very selective when we snatch our girls to use these purposes. It goes without saying, you have a fine body and you're probably young, maybe very young. Because for our purpose, we prefer to snatch girls in early to mid-teens. Sexually deprived, but still small bodies. Scared shitless, easy to handle, and easy to train. And they usually have tight pussies and assholes. That makes perfect slaves. Anytime we go on a hunt, hunting trip, we can't find a little teenager. We usually start within the gay bars. Look for a well-built, well big-titted lesbian. I thought, I thought 
thoroughly enjoy raping and screwing around with the lesbians, and there's no not a mu- not as much danger of them carrying a sexual transmitted disease. And I don't like using condoms. Also, even though they're a little older, unless they've been playing with dildos a lot, they have a tight holes between their legs, like the younger girls. If we can't find a lesbian that we want, we snatch anything that is young, clean and well-built. We very seldom come back empty-handed because there's plenty of bitches out there to choose from. And with a little practice and something, most of them is very easy to get with little risk. At this point, it makes little difference of what category, category you fall into. You're here, and we're going to make the most of it. If you're going to be kept in a hidden slave room, it is relatively soundproof, and it is or may not be another girl in the room. Occasionally, for verity, we like to keep two slaves at the same time. In either case, as the no girl, you'll definitely be getting most of the attention for a while. Now, as I said, you're going to be kept like an animal. I guess I have been doing this too long. I've been raping bitches since I've been uh, since I could jerk off and tie little girls' hands behind their backs. As far as I'm concerned, you're a pretty piece of meat and to be used and exploited. I don't give a flying fuck about your mind and how you feel about this situation. You may be married, have kids, or two, boyfriends, a job, car payment, fuck it. I don't give a rat's ass about any of that. I don't want to hear about it. It's something you're going to have to deal with after you're, tor- after you're turned loose. I'm making a point never to like a slave, and I fucking sure don't have any respect for you. Here, your status... <coughs> Sorry. Here, your status is no more than that of a dog's or one of the animals out in the barn. Your only value to us is the fact that you have an attractive, usable body. And like the rest of our animals, you'll be fed and watered, kept in good physical condition, kept reasonably cleaned, and allowed to use the toilet when necessary. You're going to be used hard, especially during your first few days while you're new and fresh. Quote. There is more, but I'm not getting any more into it. You can find this whole transcript on uh, of the tape online. Thank fucking God I can't take any more of him talking. He is gross. David was divorced four times and had two children, including his accomplice, Glenda, Jesse, Jean, Ray. Glenda had tried to warn the FBI about her father's criminal activity in 1986. FBI agent... Dudge, uh, Doug Belden recalled Jesse Ray's claim, quote, she alleged that David Parker Ray was abducting and torturing women and selling them, them to buyers in Mexico, quote. However, the allegations were non-suspicious, uh, that the FBI were unable to arrest David. Devil, uh, 
David sexually tortured and presumably killed his victims using whips, chains, pulleys, straps, clamps, leg spreader bars, surgical blades, electric shock machines, and saws. It is thought that he terrorized many women with these tools for many years with the help of his accomplices, some of whom are alleged to have been several of the women he was dating. Inside David's torture room, which was repurposed, was a repurposed cargo trailer located immediately outside his elephant boot, New Mexico, and was called the Toy Box. By David, along with numerous sex toys, torture implements, syringes, and detailed diagrams showing ways of inflicting pain. There was a homemade electrical generator to uh, electrocute his victims. In total, David is believed to have spent $100,000 on the trailer, fitting it with sex toys and torture devices. Reportedly, David constructed elaborate to confine his victims, such as a fur-lined coffin and a makeshift pulley, or pulley, sorry. And if you want to know what that is, a wooden frame with holes for the head and hands in which an offender was imprisoned and exposed to the public abuse, which I didn't know its real name, but I knew what it was. In addition, there were also elaborate locks and pulleys to prevent his captives from escaping. A mirror was mounted in the ceiling above the uh, obstructric table to which he strapped his victims so that they would be able to see themselves being raped and tortured. He has been said to have wanted his victim to see everything he was doing to them. David also put his victims in wooden contraptions that bent them over and immobilized them while he had his dogs and sometimes other friends rape them. David often had an audio tape recording of his voice played for his victims whenever they reigned consciousness, which is a little bit of what I read in the beginning. In the transcripts of his tape, David detailed how he would occasionally release his captives after severely drugging them to induce amnesia to prevent women from reporting the assaults. Quote, I get off my I get off on my games after we get completely through with it. You're going to be drugged up real heavily with a combination of sodium pentothal and Foam barbital. They are both hip, uh, hypnotic drugs that will make you extremely susceptible to hypnosis, auto hypnosis, and hypnotic suggestions. You're going to be kept drugged a couple of days while I play with your mind. By the time I get through brainwashing you, you're gonna, you're not gonna remember a fucking thing about this little adventure, quote. Exactly how many murder victims David claimed over the years is uncertain. Investigators believe that he raped, tortured, and 
killed up to 60 individuals over the course of his life, but they have not been able to locate any of their remains. A diary that David kept detailed what he did to each victim, but it did not disclose where he buried their bodies. According to accomplice Cindy Hindi, David's fatal victims were dismembered and buried, dumped in the elephant boot lake or nearby ravines. After, after his arrest, David agreed to show authorities where he had buried his victims, but he died before he could do so and Cindy was unable to assist investigators in recovering any possible bodies. The Albuquerque, la, 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 sorry. the Albuquerque FBI in 2011 released hundreds of images of items that were collected during the investigation of David. The FBI believes some of the items, which include jewelry and clothes, may have been taken from victims. Quote, the FBI, along with its law enforcement partners in New Mexico, is aggressively pursuing several leads in search for remains of any possible victims of David Parker Ray. Quote, said Frank Fisher of the Albuquerque field office. Quote, we are asking family and friends of missing people to look over these photographs and contact us if they were not recognize any of these items. If you or someone you know that lived in New Mexico went missing from 1957 to 1999, please go to https://www.fbi.gov/contact-us slash field dash offices slash Albuquerque slash items dash David dash Parker Ray or Parker dash Ray and look at the pictures and I will be posting this on the Facebook Instagram into the show notes just in case any of you guys are listening and have been missing someone you guys can look through the pictures none of them are graphic they're just pictures of the clothes and jewelry that the FBI and police officers found. Now we are going to get into the people they think David Parker Ray killed. The first victim they think is Billy Ray Bowers from November 1st, 1934. I couldn't find anything about him. Billy disappeared from Phoenix, Arizona on September 25th, 1988. On September 28, 1989, the body of an unknown man wrapped in a blue tarp was found by a fisherman at McClara Cove Elephant Boot Lake in New Mexico. No identification was found on him, and it was determined that he had been shot in the back of the head. The unidentified descendant was ultimately identified as Bowers in March of 1999 when authorities made dental records comparison comparisons. In 1986, Bowers was a co-worker of Canal Motors, a used car business that was on North Van Buren Street in Phoenix, Arizona. The owners employed David, who worked as a mechanic and was described as, quote, very talented, quote but was also often in conflict with Billy. While incarcerated, Cindy stated that David told her 
he had killed Billy and dumped his body in the Elephant Boot River. The second victim they think David got, Jill Suzanne Toria, born February 18, 1973. Jill was last seen at the Frontier Restaurant in the block, 2400 block of East Central in Albuquerque, New Mexico, during the late evening of September 30th or the early morning of October 1st, 1995. She had gone to a bar with friends earlier then went with Glinda, Jesse Ray, when they left to go to a restaurant. Witnesses reported Glinda and Jill had an argument. Glinda later told police she left Jill at the Frontier restaurant and left with her father, David Parker Ray, and that she and David went to Elephant Booth. I think that's Bluff. Elephant Bluff reservoir in southern new mexico jill has never been heard from again her mother in michigan reported her missing david wrote in details account of sexual tortures and burials of victims including one in which he described an asian woman who fitted jill's description the third victim they think sylvia marie parker born sometime in 1975 Sylvia was a homeless woman living on the shores of Elephant Bluff Booth Lake who was an uh, acquaintance of David via his daughter who supplied her with the methamphetamine and cocaine. Sylvia was also a mother of two children and was living with them in a tent she borrowed from David. The police later discovered that Sylvia's boyfriend at the time was Dennis Yancey, one of David's, quote, playmates, quote. Sylvia disappeared on July 5th, 1997, when she was abducted, uh, abducted and subjected to several days of torture before accomplice Dennis strangled her to death under orders by David. Dennis took police to where he disposed of Sylvia with David Parker Ray and Cindy Hindi, but Sylvia's body had been moved. Dennis sus suspected and the police support the theory that David came back to move Sylvia's body later, later in case Dennis ever had a softening, softening of his con and, uh, confession. At 10.30 a.m. on June 30, 1999, Ralph Porter, a 61-year-old El Paso resident, was fishing in the Elephant Booth Lake. Caught on Ralph's fishing line was an 80-pound, quote, gummy sack, quote, filled with what he thought was, an, quote, animal flesh, quote. The sack was, quote, split along the seam, quote. He then suspected it was human body parts and, alert, and alerted the authorities. The gummy sack was determined to contain human flesh, but no organs or bones. This meant that the unidentified victim was mutilated and dismembered before being dumped in the lake. Allegedly, David said, quote, 
the thing to do is cut them down, cut them down the belly, scoop out their guts, fill the chest cavity with cement, cement waves, and then use baling wire to wire them up. Quote. Furthermore, state police found bone fragments and elephant buff lake belonging to a human leg in 2011. The DNA identified the victim as a female, but she was no link to any reported missing women. That's just sad. Sad. Can I go now? I don't like this case. It's horrible. Okay. Okay. Uh, missing woman. Okay. <clears throat> Cindy Virgil was abducted from an Albuquerque parking lot by David and his girlfriend, Cindy Hindi. She was taken to Elephant Booth confined to the trailer and tortured. After three days of captivity, Cynthia escaped from the trailer on March 22, 1999. To escape, she waited until David had gone to work and then unlocked her chains with keys that Cindy had left on a nearby table. Cindy noticed Cynthia at Cynthia's attempt to escape and a fight ensued. During the struggle, Cynthia broke Cindy broke a lamp on Cynthia's head, but Cynthia unlocked her chains and stabbed Cindy in the neck with an ice pick. Cynthia fled while wearing only an iron slave collar and padlock chains. She ran down the road seeking help, which she got from a nearby homeowner who took her in, uh, comforted her, and called the police. Her escape led officials to the trailer and investigated the capture of David and his accomplices. Police detained David and Cindy. Another victim, Angela Montano, came forward with a similar story of that of Cynthia. She said she had uh, been held captive by David after Cindy invited her to the house to pick up a cake mix. After being raped and tortured, Angelica convinced the pair to release her along the highway. She was picked up by an off-duty law enforcement officer and told him what happened. He did not believe her and left her at a bus stop. She also later called police about the incident, but, then, but there had been no follow-up. Police identified another victim, Kelly Garrett, from a videotape which dated from 1996. Kelly was found alive in Colorado after police identified 
from her tattoo on her ankle. She testified that she had gotten in a fight with her husband and decided to spend the night playing pool with friends. David's daughter, Jessie Ray, who knew Kelly, took her to the Blue, Blue Water Saloon in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, and may have drugged the beer she was drinking. She offered Kelly a ride home, but instead took Kelly to Jesse's father's house. Kelly said she endured two days of torture before David drove her back to her home. David told her husband that he had found the woman incoherent on a bench, on a beach. Kelly's husband did not believe that she could not remember where she had been, and Kelly said she did not know what to tell police, and so she did not con contact them. Her husband sued for divorce, and Kelly moved to Colorado. She was later interviewed on cold case files about her ordeal. The FBI sent 100 agents to examine David's, David's property and, and surroundings, but no identifiable human remains were found. While awaiting trial, David spoke to FBI profilers and said that he was fascinated by the kidnapping of Colleen Stan and the other sexually motivated kidnappings. The FBI had spoken to David as early as 1989 in connection with his business manufacturing and selling bondage-related sexual devices. If you want to see his torture trailer or Satan's Den, you can go you can Google it and there is a YouTube video if you look up the Toy Box Killer. And now we are getting into the trial and aftermath of everything. A judge ruled that the cases for the crimes against Cynthia Virgil, Angelica Montano, and Kelly Garrett would be served, meaning that David would be tried for each separately. Prosecutors said this damaged their case as each woman's story would otherwise have corroborated and bloistered the other accounts. The judge also ruled much of the evidence found in the trailer during the 1999 raid could not be omitted in the Kelly and Angel and Angela, uh, Angela, uh, Angelica cases. Oh, hell no. That's some bullshit. That should have all been added. The first trial for the crimes against Kelly Garrett resulted in a mistrial after two ju jurors found her story unbelievable. What the fuck? Oh, hell no. That's some more bullshit. He is guilty for everything, and they did. They didn't even get him for the people they think he killed. But wait, there's more. David's defense was was that the Satan's den was a part of David's fantasy life, and sex was consensual. No, it wasn't. They were drugged. And that tape tells you everything you need to know. After a retrial, David was convicted on all 12 counts. Thank God he won't be let free. 
A week into his trial for the crimes against Cynthia Virgil, David agreed to a plea bargain and was sentenced in 2001 to 224 years in prison for numerous offenses in the abduction and sexual torture of three young women at his elephant boot house or home. The plea deal to obtain leniency for his daughter Prosecutors stated that the surviving victims had been had approved of the deal. David's daughter, Glinda Jesse Ray, was charged with kidnapping and criminal sexual penetration. She pled no contest and received a 30-month sentence with an additional five years to be served on probation. Oh my God, come on, 30 months and five years probation? That's long enough. I don't care how much she says she didn't do it. She did it. She lured at least two people there. Cindy Hindi lured at least one person there. In 1999, 27-year-old Dennis Roy Yancey pleaded guilty to the 1997 murder of 22-year-old Mary Parker in Elephant Booth. Dennis confessed to helping Jesse Ray lure Marie into captivity in her father's trailer. Dennis said Marie was tortured and that David forced him to strangle Marie to death. Prosecutors noted that no forensic evidence was found to tie Marie to Jesse Ray and David. Dennis was also charged with kidnapping two counts of conspiracy to commit a crime and tampering with evidence. He was sentenced to 30 years. Jesse and David were not charged in Marie's death. In 2010, Dennis was paroled after 11 years in prison, but the release was delayed by difficulties in negotiating a plan for residency. Three months after his release in 2011, Dennis was charged with violating his parole. He was remanded to custody where he remained until 2021, serving the rest of his original sentence. In 2000, Cindy Hendy, an accomplice who testified against David, received a sentence of 36 years for her role in the crimes. She was scheduled to receive parole in 2017. She was released on July 15, 2019, after serving the two years of her parole in prison. On May 28, 2002, David was taken to the Lee County Correctional Facility in Hobbs, New Mexico to be questioned by state police. He died of a heart attack before the interrogation took place. Cindy Virgil later found Street Safe, New Mexico, a volunteer harm reduction nonprofit that works with sex workers and other vulnerable people living on the streets with Christine Barber. That is a horrific story of David Parker Ray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to get in contact with us, give us a request or send us your listener stories, please email us at true period crime period B I T C at gmail.com we are on Facebook you can find us at Jessica Rocky or I made a group and there's a chat and it's called true crime bitches we are on Twitter true underscore crime underscore 
B-I-T-C-S. We are on Patreon at True Crime Bitches 835. We are on TikTok at True underscore Crime underscore Bitches, which is the shorter version of this, but it's only a 10-minute video of the first half of the video. And then you have to find me again to listen to the full video, which if you're listening here, you're listening to the full video. Um, we are on Amazon Music as True Crime Bitches. We are on Instagram at True underscore Crime underscore B-I-T-C. B-I-T-C. And we will be posting pictures on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you or someone you know has been sexually assaulted, please call 1-800-656-4673. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.